Dr. Michael Pollitt, thank you very much indeed for talking to the Cambridge Judge Business School podcast series today. We're here having a look at your recent report, The Implications of Recent UK Energy Policy for the Consumer, a report for the Consumers Association. But we have also had the news this week of the new white paper on the EMR, the Electricity Market Reform. Tell us about that white paper first. Well, I think the white paper is aiming to do two things. It's trying to help us to hit our renewable energy target for the UK to 2020. And I think it's also trying to keep us on track to meet our decarbonisation targets, which we've set in the Climate Change Act. And it's trying to do that by introducing far more incentives to promote renewables and low carbon generation in the electricity sector. We have in the past been thought as a country to have very low gas and relatively low electricity prices, haven't we, if you compare us to the rest of Europe. Yet we've also got the news that electricity prices from 2004 to 2009 went up 75%, gas 122%, and and is expected to go up more in the future. The Department of Energy and Climate Change, the Consumer Group Focus, are all talking about fuel poverty, particularly for the elderly, help the aged too. It, it's a time, if you like, of mixed headlines for energy at, at the moment. What's going to happen if you look into your crystal ball? Well, I mean, it's true that energy prices have gone up very significantly over the last few years. But, of course, it's worth saying that they've gone up from quite a low base in the UK. We st- yeah, but if you bought your house 10 years ago and you bought a big house, you know, you can't afford to heat it anymore. Elderly people are living in houses that they brought their families up in. It's tough times for energy. Oh, yes. I mean, that is definitely the case. And the number of people in fuel poverty, which is defined as um, having to spend 10% or, or more of your income on household energy has increased significantly and is now back up to levels that we haven't seen since since the 1990s. So undoubtedly it is a problem, um, but of course it's a problem across Europe and Britain doesn't necessarily have the worst fuel poverty problems in, in Europe. But it's clearly something that we have to adjust to. You say adjust to, yet if we go back to to your report on the implications of recent UK energy policy for consumers, uh, you say that shale or sources of shale for gas might lead to lower prices in the future. Is there any, if you like, good news on the horizon for fuel? Well, of course, there are two things going on at once. There's there's in, increasing demand for energy around the world, particularly coming from the Far East. And then there may be the prospect of increased new discoveries of, of, of fossil fuels, particularly discovery of these unconventional gas sources, allowing us to get more gas out than we thought was possible before. And, of course, the exploitation of more difficult to extract oil in the Arctic and from tar sands in Canada. So uh, the, the, looking into a crystal ball is very difficult because it's sort of looking at how, how the, these two curves are going to compare to each other. Clearly, if the demand curve increases more rapidly than the supply curve, then you're going to see pressure on prices. If, however, demand moderates and we continue to have discoveries, particularly of, of shale gas and other unconventional gas sources, then maybe prices will soften. You are an industry insider, Dr Pollitt, and, and prior to this week's white paper... 
in your report, you and other professionals have expressed concern about the electricity market reform, the so-called EMR, that that actually the structure of the market, the, the kind of, if you like, regulation that's being placed upon the market might not be good for the consumer. Why is that? Well, I mean, essentially what the electricity market reform is trying to do is to incentivize a particular set of investments that uh, the government wants to encourage in the electricity system. And the question really for consumers is whether that is the best way forward or not. So the government is clearly concerned to promote more renewables and to help us to hit our EU renewables targets. And it's also concerned about promoting things like nuclear power and carbon capture and storage. I think the concern is that if we have policies which are focused on promoting particular types of investment and in a sense choosing the mix of generation, then that might turn out to be very expensive. And that we in a sense need to see how energy prices develop because that allows us to decide how much gas we might want. If gas is very cheap, we would want more of it in the electricity system. And we also need to make sure that in incentivising other types of low-carbon investment, we do that at least cost. And that, I think, means not setting our hearts on particular investments, but letting the market choose between low-carbon generation sources. So I, I think my particular concern is that we are going to lock ourselves into a set of very expensive investments, which may turn out to have been a mistake with hindsight. Because they take years to come to fruition and it, we might not be flexible enough to respond to new technologies, new advances and new changes. If we look at the EU Renewable Energy Directive and it says we have to have 15% of our final energy consumption from renewables in 2020, is that going to be possible? And, and if you've got that crystal ball on your lap, which I can see before you, what do the renewable obligations tell us about our progress to date? Because we have got some indication of it already. Well, our progress to date on renewables has been pretty woeful and with respect to targets. I mean, essentially, we're only operating at about 3 to 4% renewable energy across the whole energy system in the UK. And in electricity, it's about 7 to 8% of electricity comes from renewable energy. Those are both well behind our targets. So our targets for 2020 are 15% renewable energy. That probably implies 30 to 35, possibly 40% of electricity from renewables. So we're clearly way behind the curve. And nobody that knows about these things really seriously believes that we're going to hit our 2020 target. It was always an unrealistic target, and that continues to be the case. Now, if we also look at what's going on inside uh, the energy industry, we have to decarbonise our electricity production. And, and, you know, the package that's being proposed, look at the acronyms CFD, EPS, TCM, CPS30, a complex mix perhaps, and, and that references back to what you said, that perhaps, you know, th- there's too much regulation on the industry at the moment. I, I think that's uh, that's right. I mean, I think that you know CFDs are about uh, contracts for differences, about essentially offering low carbon generators a fixed price for their electricity, a much higher and fixed price. The emissions performance standard is designed to set a standard for carbon dioxide emissions from generation plants, which will set a maximum amount of emissions per per kilowatt hour that will rule out 
unabated coal-fired power plants. A targeted capacity mechanism is the TCM is is about trying to incentivise enough capacity at peak times to be on the system. Um, it's not at all clear that's as yet necessary. And we've already had the introduction of a, of a carbon price support to supplement the price of CO2, which is coming from the European Emissions Trading System, and to essentially fix the price in the UK at a more stable and probably higher level in the UK than we see in 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 the rest of the EU. That is a pretty complicated mix, and, and companies are getting worried about the degree of government involvement in electricity generation, in setting the incentives and in essentially choosing investments. And this is beginning to feel like a move back to a centrally planned electricity system. I know that you uh, have spoken up in the past about demand measures because, of course, these incentives are paid for by the, the taxpayer. You know, heads we win, tails we lose in terms of, of energy prices and what we're getting in our homes. But the demand measures, is that the future in your crystal ball, particularly for people like the, the elderly, the squeezed middle, everybody who's going to be have to look at their energy costs, which I think, you know, represent sometimes 10% of the spend in some households. We've got to switch off and um, we've got to invest in, if you like, insulation too. I, I think that at the individual household level, higher energy prices always mean pressure to economise on the use of energy and to re- reduce demand and, and also perhaps to generate one's own electricity or, or or heat from renewable energy sources. So I think that's right. I think this is the household role in reacting to energy prices is, is very, very important. And there's clearly a lot individual households might be able to do in order to reduce their energy con- consumption and hopefully in the future to exploit opportunities to produce energy. I, I And I think one of the possibilities that might be presenting itself in the longer term is it is just possible that solar PV technology will become so cheap eventually that people will install it on their roofs on a commercial, fully commercial basis. That That is possible, but it's, we're still not there yet. But it is true that many UK houses are very inefficiently insulated at the moment and there would there is quite a lot people can do to reduce their, certainly their, their heating bills and perhaps something that they can do to monitor their electricity consumption more and make sure devices are switched off when not in use. Um, But just finally, you know, it's the poor who will lose out and governments will have to subsidise the bills for the elderly and the like. And and those squeezed middles, are we going to see more, if you like, government subsidies, supplements uh, through benefits and support to those people who are just spending far too much of their bills and may be sick and can't introduce new measures into their home on heating? I think the, the 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 experience the world over is that governments are under pressure to subsidise energy bills for the poor. And I think what is likely to happen in the UK is, yes, a large number of poorer households will either be given direct help with their bills, will be given income supplements, such as the winter fuel payment does at the moment, or will be given some sort of targeted intervention to help them save energy. But many of those 
the cost of paying for, for those measures will be lumped onto the rest of energy consumers. So it'll probably be the people in the squeeze middle who will end up having to pay the higher bills and to subsidise other people. And that will be potentially quite significant for them. Well, Dr. Pollitt, heads we win, tails we lose, the consumer. Thank you very much indeed for talking to the Cambridge Judge Business School podcast series today on the new white paper on EMR, the electricity market reform, and your report, the implications of recent UK energy policy for the consumer. I've enjoyed it very much. Thank you very much.